Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast, where we are talking about the Doom Patrol all the time while waiting for the Doom Patrol in between. So, yeah, if that sorts out. <laughs> yes, hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarv. You can reach us at WaitingForDoom at gmail.com or on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. You can also check out Doug Zavisha's excellent blog titled MyGreatestAdventure80.blogspot.com and all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Podbean.com. And I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks, H-I-X. And we also have a sentient show Twitter account, which is Wilfred at WFD Pod. Hey, Wilfred. And we are sponsored by Comicosity. Yes, awesome website for all the comic book love. Comicosity.com has the news, reviews, previews about all the upcoming stuff and lots of uh, inclusive articles. Uh, and they want comics to be for everyone. And everyone should love the comics, so check out Comicosity.com when you're online for some goodness there. Anyway, Good. Paul, my friend, how have you been since we last spoke? Um, well, I've got a black eye. I hit myself <laughs> in the in the face with a shovel. Um, I don't mean to laugh. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. That's, well, you can laugh. I mean, yeah, you just don't normally share uh, personal stuff, but that's quite one to share. <laughs> we, like... We've just had a new floor put in, so I basically had to move all the furniture around, and right. you know. Um, and the guy was like, like, the guy who came and quoted said, "We're going to start in the hall." I'm like, "Okay, beauty." So I put everything in the room that wasn't the hall, and then when the guy showed up to actually do it, a different bloke, he said, "I'm going to start in uh, the kitchen and the living room." And he said, oh, well, oh. that's all the furniture. So I had to move all the furniture out before going to work on Monday, uh. and then. Um, yeah, but on Sunday I had a rug that has been in the living room for ages and I took it outside because it was so, it was really big and heavy and it was just, I noticed like one cover, uh, one side of it is just all brown, like it's had dust and stuff because we live on a farm so it's, it's a very dusty. So I thought I'll go, out, I'll hang it outside and I thought, well, I'll better whack it with something and I didn't have anything sturdy so I'll go get the shovel and I have this great big sort of it's a concrete shovel, I would describe it. Like it's got a, it's made of metal handle and everything. It's really solid. And I swung it back over my head and hit a tree and it's, uh, dropped it straight into my face. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the handle. But uh, it's funny. I've got a black eye and I've got grazed knuckles. So it, it, no one really believes me when I say I did it myself. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you've been out on patrol, uh, defending your hometown, uh, from evildoers. And, um, yeah, you've, you've gone all wildcat on us. <laughs> um, but you probably didn't mean that. Um, I was reading comics, and um, I've been reading The Lone Ranger by Mark Russell from Dynamite, and I'm bloody loving that. Yeah? It's, um, it's like, you know how most Lone Ranger, they've got a, uh, comics in your head, it's sort of a fairly civilised story, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, this is... This is hardcore. <laughs> like it, it's got serial killers and it's got, um, oh, really, man. really, um, despicable rich white men. It's, you know, it's hard to relate to in the real world, but, uh, <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, but it is amazing. I really love it. And the wow. art is by Bob Q. Oh, okay. Cool. Do you I know like Bob his Q? Stuff. I've, I've seen his stuff online. I think I follow him on Facebook, actually. Ah. Um, yeah. Yeah, nice. but Mark Russell, you know, he's probably my favourite new writer. Okay. Flintstone, Snagglepuss, um, Prez before that. So, yeah. 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 Cool. But um, he's doing all these interesting little comics around the place. And, of course, he's about to do the Wonder Twins over at DC, and I'm ah, very excited about yeah. that. And, um, and then I think he's doing that uh, Vertigo book, Second Coming, about um, Jesus coming to Earth and learning yeah. from a superhero and teaching. and uh, You know, so that... Yeah. That'll be interesting. That will be interesting, yes. <laughs> Controversial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But Lone Ranger has some um, wonderful covers by John Cassidy and Jose Villarubia. Um, so, yeah. It's a, it's a great comic. I recommend it. I'm going to get the trade of it when it comes out. Because nice. I, like, I like it that much. And I want to read it in my dotage as I wait for death. It's good to have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's yep. not a very elaborate plan, but it's a plan. Look, sometimes simple is best. You know, it's yeah, straight, but... straight to the point. You know what you want. You know how you're going to do it. You know how you're going to enjoy your dotage. <laughs> yeah. What about you, my friend? Uh, well, other than laughing at you hurting yourself and your impending death, um, I haven't done a lot of reading. I've uh, been watching a lot of stuff. Uh, the new, for those that don't know, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And Star Trek Discovery kicked off again this past week, so I really enjoyed the premiere of Season 2 of that, and I binge-watched the final three episodes of a series of unfortunate events, which... What what series? uh, It's a series called A Series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, I thought it was a documentary series of just people getting hurt, like hitting themselves with shovels. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's, it's a series of unfortunate events about the three Baudelaire orphans and the horrible Count Olaf who is after their family fortune and there's a secret society involved and there's lots of madcap, crazy, almost pantomime-esque adventures where you want to yell out, he's behind you! Uh, but the last three episodes, oh, they mess with my feelings, something shocking. It was, it was, It was very well done. So that was quite good but I'm all, getting back to comics I'm at a crossroads Paul oh I've I've been wanting to read older series by DC from from the 80s so I'm talking things like all star <laughs> not not just not Superman uh, but like things like Blue Devil uh, oh, okay. and all-star squadron uh, oh. and and you know Amiga man and an old uh, even old detective comics issues and and it's it suddenly dawned on me that there's quite a lot of these digitally on Comixology mm, for yes. a lot for a lot cheaper than it would be to track down the physical copies. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yes. So I I'm kind of is this the thing that's finally going to get me to embrace digital comics even more? Reading comics that are thirty something years old on a digital platform. Well, I must admit, I'm, I mean, I've got a lot of comics on Comixology, probably about 2,000 now, but mm-hmm. I mean, people give me codes, which is nice, and I, yeah, I, I do take advantage of the sales with the things that I'm curious to read, but not necessarily to own in a hard copy. Mm. So, you know, so, f- you know, five bucks, six bucks around that price for a trade, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all over that, you know, yeah. it's, you know, so... And it also is an invisible read pile, which you don't have to feel very guilty about because you can't see it. <laughs> and nor can anyone else in one's family, you know. Yeah. Go, what are you spending all your money on? And, you know. Like, I know I've got, I think, two books that I need to read at the moment that I haven't read that I have in physical form. But mm-hmm. there's probably about, you know, 60 that are uh, digital <laughs> wow. that I can't, that aren't bothering me as much. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm very tempted to make the, because I've read some stuff digitally, not a whole heap. Uh, so I, I and uh, oh, I'm so close to just going. You know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to just going to dive in digitally. But then I love holding the physical thing in my hands. If you'll pardon the expression. Um, I I I love the feel and and the it's that that comfortable feeling of laying back and reading your comic. You know, and the feel of it, and the smell of it, and reading the old ads, and, you know, letters pages and all that. It's just... I don't know. Mm. It's, 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 bit... it's great for comics that aren't great, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, then, but then it's like, do I want that invisible reading file there? Taunting me on my devices. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Watch this, or listen to this space, we'll... We'll see what happens, but it's oh, it's so tempting. It's like only a couple of bucks for an issue, whereas if I looked it up on eBay, I'd be paying a lot more than that for some of these things. Hmm. Anyway, enough about me and my wants and desires. How about we go and check out what's happening on News Patrol? News Patrol. <laughs>
Okay, it's going to be a quick one. Uh, the only news I have is I gave out the wrong date for Doom Patrol last episode. So, um, it is actually debuting on the 15th of February and not the 19th, like I told everyone. So don't rely on me for anything to do right. with the Doom Patrol. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, there's no trailer yet. I'm really, uh, confused by that. I was going to say bedazzled by that, but it's not really the word. Uh, I am confused. Why is there no trailer yet? I mean, we've had that little Christmas teaser with, uh, Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Um, but that is, it's not much of an ad for the show, particularly, is it? No, no. It, it's, it's very much a very short teaser. So, yeah, well, that's only, uh, well, what's the date today? I'm just looking at my calendar. That's only a few weeks away. Yeah. So there'll have to be something out there very soon. Yeah, we've got what? Uh, it's about three and a half weeks till it debuts. Mm. Mm. Yes. Oh. Well, now that you've put it out there in the universe, you know, by the time we get this episode published, there could very well be something out there. Yeah, and we'll look like jackasses. So give <laughs> to that. That's our show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, is that the sound of ticking that I can hear? It is, and and let's do a really bad segue to the Doom Clock. Okay, so looking upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it has been just over ten weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue 12 of Volume 6, from Jared Way, Jeremy Lambert, Dan McDay, Tamara Bonvillain, Nick Derrington, Todd Klein, Molly Mahan, and Mark Doyle. That issue saw the Reynolds family fight under the free, the Demonscape from Margoth, the Demon Lord, and we discussed that issue back in episode 131. Issue 13 is, at this stage, scheduled for... I don't think it is scheduled. I don't think we can even say those words. No. It's there is no issue thirteen. There is no planned issue coming. It's, it's in uh, the uh, it's in the void somewhere. Um, I'm picturing some great big discussion at DC about well, what do we do about Doom Patrol? Is it still Gerard Way's to run? Is it someone else's? What do we want? You know, Jeff Johns is probably popping in his head in the door and saying we should do this. And other people, yeah, maybe we should do that. And yeah, but you know, get it together, DC. We want a new Doom Patrol book. That was very that was very detailed and very forceful of you. I like it. Oh, yeah. Well done, Paul. It's, it's, you know? it's the new 2019 Paul. You know? my, my brush with death has made me involved. <laughs> you know. yeah, tough guy now. Yeah. <laughs> he took a hammer to the face and then he took on the world. <laughs> when death comes, it comes at you like a steel handle. It's, you know, changes a man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we do the This Week in Doom Patrol History guessing game again? No, I, I love this game. You love this game? You love this I game? Do. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes, and I'm... I'm okay. Um, the first clue I'll give you is mouthing off. Mouthing off. Mouthing off. Mm. I, is there a second clue? Can there, I find a friend? No, you can't find a friend. Uh, the next clue is... The story title is the same as a famous Batman story. Uh, oh. Whatever happened to that? <laughs> no? Um. no. Um, okay, I'll give you a third clue. Um, dress, a dress made out of a snot rag. What? <laughs> oh. Oh, what was that? Yeah, that was... Yeah, Rita ended up wearing a little. Mm-hmm. Okay, where where is that one? That's. Uh, it it involves. Uh, you're on the right track. Uh, it involves a oft-repeated question on this show. Oh. Asking about who. Have certain... you been to Heracon? Did you? Actually, yes. Have you ever been here at Con? No. Uh, a question about a certain group and who they are or are not. Ah, uh, it's the devolutionists. It's it's John Byrne. <laughs> Hooray! Yes, it uh-huh. is indeed the devolutionist storyline. I uh, broke through my psychic blocks. I almost had them in place. 
<laughs> it almost shut down that part of my brain. Oh, I'm very sorry. Uh, but yes, going on, look, when I was researching this to see what came out this week in Doom Patrol history, and I saw this one come up, I was like, oh, it's the only one that fits the criteria for the week, and I'm really sorry. Anyway, going on sale for US $2.50 on January 26th of 2005, with a cover date of March of that year was issue 8 of Doom Patrol Volume 4. This issue was titled A Death in the Family. Uh-huh. That's the Batman story. Yes. Uh, and was brought to us by John Byrne, Doug Hazelwood, Jared K. Fletcher, Alex Blayart, and Mike Carlin, apparently. And the cover featured an angry-looking robot man about to eat a tiny Elastigirl. And on the cover it said, mouthing off. That's where that hint came from. I'll put uh-huh. a picture of it up later, or I'll get Wilfred to. Mm. Yes. So this issue was the conclusion of the devolutionist story as the patrol, aided by John Johns, the Martian Manhunter, tried to figure out who they were, that's the devolutionists, trying to figure out who they were, while stopping them from devolving people into apes and animals into dinosaurs. Just who were the devolutionists, Paul? Well, mm. never were. well we kind of found out at the very end of it, but it didn't really enthrall. Mm. But we uh, don't really. Yeah, yeah, it didn't enthrall and we didn't care. Uh, we covered this and the preceding issue way back in episode 120 from April of 2018. So you can check that out for further details. But that is it for the Doom Clock this week. And try and enjoy that devolutionist story, because we <laughs> didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You are trapped, Batman. As soon as I press this button, you'll fall into this pit of rabid tigers. That fearsome felonious feline has me trapped. I can escape, but I need to find a way to distract her. Of course, a podcast. Listen, Catwoman, before you send me to my doom, can we listen to my favorite comic podcast? A gal walks into a comic shop? A gal walks into a comic shop? The show with Bob? who's read comics all his life and tries to share his love of the medium with Barbara, who has never understood the appeal? Exactly, Catwoman. Each week, they look at old and new comics. Oh, they have interviews and often do radio dramas or comic books. And, of course, the quizzes. (laughs) The way Bob traps Barbara with those quizzes is simply perfect. It might be fiendish, Catwoman, but at the end of the day, it's a podcast about learning how to share your passions with someone you care about. Perhaps we can listen to one episode together, Batman. It's working. While a gal walks in a comic shop plays, I'm able to get myself free. Ha <laughs> ha! I've escaped your trap, Catwoman! Commissioner Gordon has a jail cell ready for you. But will I still be able to listen to a gal walks into a comic shop every Tuesday? Yes, yes you can. You can listen to a gal walks into a comic shop wherever you get your podcast from. You might have foiled my plans, Batman, but at least I have this great podcast to listen to. And just a reminder, you too can listen to a Gal Walks in a Comic Shop every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And now it's one of my top ten favourite parts of the show, which is Doom Splaining. <laughs> Stop it. Um, where we talk about things to do with the Doom Patrol. Um, it's a shock, I know, but uh, this week we're talking about. Well, we're going to finish something. We're going to we, we get some closure in our life on Doom Patrol Volume Three, the John Arcudi, Tan, and Hewitt run. It ends tonight, mm. here, right now. Yes. Um, so, yes, Mike is going to take us through the first issue, which is Doom Patrol Volume 3, Issue 21. Mike, what's it about? I'm still puzzled by how you have ten favourite parts of this show. <laughs> it's not a very long show. Anyway, Issue 21 of this volume. Uh, cover dated August 2003, but went on sale June 4th of that year for $2.50. It was edited by Andrew Helfer, written by John R. Cootie. Tanning Huat did the art, Bob Lappin was on letters, and Chris Walker was the colorist. The title of this story is Salvation Through Terror. And on the cover it has uh, poor old Ava being tracked down by a jade tiger. Ooh. Looking very fierce and snarly and and stuff. And um, I believe that's Ted sort of lying prone in the background. Not looking good yes. at all. Mm. Yeah. 
Yes, so uh, Jay Tigers, that, that can't ever be good. Anyway, when we last saw this iteration of the patrol, back in episode 133 from November of 2018, uh, we had a Doom Patrol TV show in the works in that issue. How timely was that? Weird. <laughs> Weird, <laughs> While elsewhere, Cliff Steel Robot Man was defending his family from the resurrected demon Now Yacht, the now-sighted and formerly blind warrior Tycho Bray, and a magically mind-controlled and jadified Beast Boy, who's the jade tiger on the cover of this. Ah. Yeah. When Now Yacht realised his magic sword wouldn't transfer one of the guardian spirits of Yunnan into the soulless robot man, the villains took off searching for some others, which could only have been the rest of the Doom Patrol. Uh, which is where this issue picks up. And Cliff has arrived back at Bruno's nightclub, the former nightclub come former DPHQ in this volume. The power seems to be out, and a giant tree appears to be growing out through one of the windows. As he begins to investigate inside the building, the feminine form seemingly trapped in the tree trunk has him realising it's the patroller Ava, aka Freak. And sitting upon one of her branches is a weird insectoid frogman abomination with a frictionless shield around its body, meaning it can only be his teammate Kid Slick, aka Vic. As Slick Fly Frog leaps down and begins throttling Robot Man, we the reader are treated to a flashback. Oh. oh we only just got through flashback-itis. We see that Vic and Charlene return to Bruno's after she was bailed out of jail by Thea Joss, as seen in issue 18, which we covered in episode 129 from September of 2018. And they seem to be getting along for the most part with Ted and Ava. Yay, happy families. When Ava reminds Ted it's time for his sedatives, he's forced to admit to Charlene that he's lost control of his future sight ability, and the medication stops him from flipping out. It's at this point that now Yacht and Tycho Bray burst through the walls, led by a giant stylized jade tiger, obviously Beast Boy bearing one of the seven guardian spirits of Yunnan. The villains swiftly take down each one of the patrol, each strike of the sword of the seven spirits releasing a ghost into a new host body. And we cut back to the present as Robot Man knocks away Slick Fly Frog, making an escape before getting knocked down by a heat blast from a demonic Shailene. Joining her is now Yacht, Tycho, Jade Tiger, Beast Boy, Gar Logan, and the rest of the former Doom Patrol, now Ghost Hosts. Tycho taunts Cliff. Why do you bother? If you'd just left me alone and stayed away, then tomorrow this would all be over. But you couldn't do that. You had to hunt me down. Why? Why? retorts Cliff. You turned my friends into monsters, you bastard. Who the hell are you anyway? And this is when we're treated to another flashback. Seriously, did John Byrne have a hand in this, or am I just experiencing a flashback to flashback? Never mind. Yes. Anyway, we learn that as a boy growing up in Chicago, Tycho would often be left in the care of a woman named Guang Mai while his mother worked, and it was here that he first heard stories and Chinese legends, such as the one retold in issue 18, covered in episode 129, September last year, and this is where Tycho first learnt about Now Yu Tu, aka Now Yat in ancient Yunnan dialect, who died as a half-man, half-tiger, trapped between this world and the next, and Tycho also learns about the Guardian Spirits. Then as a young man, Tycho joined the Navy and eventually found himself with a weekend in Hong Kong, where at long last he found what he'd been looking for, actual sorcerers. He had read so much about them, but he wanted to see their work for himself. And it turned out to be the last thing he actually ever saw, because of his missing eyeballs. For most of the time that we've known him, you know, magic blew his eyeballs up. Yep. 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 Caught up? Yep. 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 Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Or, or bad, oh, well, some magic. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, returning to the present, Tycho reveals that despite his handicap, he was still able to track down the armour of the Guardian Spirits and the body of the long-dead prince, restoring now Yachts to his own body and procuring superhuman bodies strong enough to host these Guardian Spirits. Robot Man prepares to attack, but is suddenly pinned down by the tree demon Ava. And as he begins to struggle desperately, Tycho finally reveals his plan. He's helping now Yacht and the spirits move on to the next world. With the magnified chi of the superhuman host, he'll be able to punch through this time, allowing them to move on. In return, Tycho gets to keep his eyes, yay, and the spirit of the blacksmith who made the Guardian armor, and Cliff's friends will be returned to normal. All he needs is three minutes to complete the process. 
Cliff begrudgingly agrees, and it all happens at once. A brightly coloured portal opens in the ceiling, and the spirits drift up towards it. Now Yut's form becomes human again, and he departs this world smiling. The last of the spirits wave at Tycho as it goes to leave, and Tycho replies, Yes, you're free now. I'm so happy for you. But the wave is not a friendly goodbye at all, as the ghost suddenly plunges their hand into his chest and rips out his soul, causing... Um, I know! How oh. rude is that? And this uh, Rude. Oh. And this last act causes a massive explosion in Bruno's nightclub. Of, of course. The spirit's now gone. Cliff races around to check on his friends amongst the rubble of Bruno's nightclub. Just as Tycho promised, they have returned to normal, to normal, but they're shell-shocked and hurt from the explosion. Also, they're naked for some reason. A, another John Byrne influence? Mm. Anyway, all of them are naked. Uh, as Cliff gathers them up together and begins to get blankets to cover them, Tycho is screaming in agony, having been betrayed by the ghosts and losing his eyes once again, and now the blacksmith's spirit. Cliff just says to him, now you know, never trust ghosts. Hmm. Cliff, Cliff suddenly realises something. There were six demonic hosts beside Tycho's blacksmith. He checks the team and counts them off. There's Vic, Ted, Gar, Shailene and Ava, who was the sixth host. Ava suddenly calls out from nearby, lifting up part of the rubble, and reveals Dr. Kolodenko laying there, looking like he's taken the brunt of the blast and is very, very badly injured. That's where it ends. What did you think of that one, Paul? Wow, I mean, it's it's full on, isn't it? I mean, there's it's funny though. I mean, it feels like it's Tycho's story and not the Doom Patrol story. Yes, very true. Yeah, like Tycho is the one taking action, and and they are really just the victims of his um his misguided attempts to uh, get his eyes back and uh, help out. Uh, an ancient evil <laughs> yeah, Chinese or deity something, or, yeah. or something. I, I think he's, he's, yeah. he was well-intentioned, but yeah, it was a bit of an odd thing to want to be helpful with, I guess, if that makes sense. But yeah, it was it was Tycho's big reveal. It was his big backstory and his big, hey, I'm just trying to actually help these ghosts get out, get off this plane and onto the next one. Um, and they'll help me out mm. and we'll all be happy. Of course, it didn't end like that. You know? yeah. As Cliff said, never trust ghosts. Yeah, a couple of things struck me. Uh, one was a <laughs> shovel. Uh, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the joke for the ep. Um, the art, I mean, this it's amazing. Like, Changeling is really next-level power yes. in this issue, yes. isn't he? Like, he is a formidable uh, hero. I mean, he's it just he yeah. is hard to fight. Um, he just adapts to everyone. He's super strong. Uh, he's taking everyone down. And, uh, you know, I think, it, I mean, I don't know if it's him enhanced by um, his demonic possession or whether it's just his own power being used ruthlessly. It's mm. it's kind of hard to say. Um, but it's a really violent yes. issue. Like, there's, you know, people are getting stabbed with um, things that look like giant <laughs> iron boards. It, it is um, a big sword. <laughs> Yeah. It is a really big sword. Like it is, huge. it's like getting a surfboard yeah. for your chest. That's how big it looks. It's it's crazy, and you know the, it's all sort of uh, toned down, so it's not you're not seeing blood color. But when they get Vic, particularly, you can see all these chunks of meat yeah. coming out of the back yeah. of him and, as and, it happen. And, and there's a great big schnook, schnook And now you're he's just like gigantic compared to Vic. You know when he runs yeah. to see what what's happening, he can hear this noise downstairs in the in the ha- club, uh, and he just. Like, his head barely reaches, you know, now yet's waist. He's just this gigantic... It's crotch level, it's weird. <laughs> He's just this gigantic half-tiger, half-man-demon dude with a giant surfboard sword. But yeah, the, I, I wish they would collect this in some way, because, yeah, mm. the, the art, particularly in Tiger's backstory, it's it's fantastic stuff. It's so well done. Yeah. Yeah, and Tan and Hewitt draws the best monsters like the way Vic looks when he's like a sort of crab frog <laughs> monster thing look, this yeah. looks fantastic you know it looks like something they would come up with for the Aquaman movie yeah. we just had but but you know really yeah. crazy looking it's awesome yeah um what about um, you, what you, what I, you I like? like that we finally got to see what Tycho's big plan was even though it was, it was kind of mm. yeah, it's it's kind of like he's trying to do a good thing for a, a weird reason, 
uh, and for weird people, and it kind of benefits him. And as you said, it's it's all his story, uh, and it's all about him, and it goes badly for him. Uh, so it, I, I like that it. I, I mean, I forgot. I haven't read this issue in years, so it it was nice to still be surprised by it uh, and get some, as you said, some closure and some revelations in this. So this was. I almost think that this would have been a better issue to end this volume on. Um, mm. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into the next one in a minute. But yeah, I, I I just wish that this volume was collected in some way or available digitally or something because it's really underappreciated. It's, it's such a good run, uh, especially mm. considering the one we just finished prior to this. Yeah, it's... This is a great volume and a great story, and it's lots of fun, and it's action-packed, and it's surprising, and has twists and turns, and it's really hard to find now, which is frustrating. Yeah. Now, look at the colours. Like, you've got all the muted tones of the flashbacks, mm-hmm. but at the end of the issue where um, now Yat is ascending... And the explosion, yes. Uh, yeah, but there's the colours are remarkable. There's a, sh- a shot where um, it's so bright that uh, Cliff has his hand out to shield himself from mm. the brightness, and it's it, the shadow of his hand on his own head and the light around it, it's so beautifully done by Dave McCaig. You know, it, it just looks... You know, super vivid and super real just before it all blows up. <laughs> Actually, it, it was Chris Walker on the colours for this one. Is it? Yes. Dave, uh, Dave does the next one. So, uh, uh, and, and he had, I think he was the colours for the majority of this run. But yeah, yeah. Chris stepped in for this one. So, I'm sorry, Chris. I recently had a head injury and. <laughs> Did you? Did you have a head injury? Did you? Hey, did you go to Harris Con? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but but yeah, this is this is a really good, I guess, high point in the finale. Mm. It's it's so well done, and it it kind of nicely wraps up. I, I guess the the whole Chinese legend stuff was kind of unexpected when it began, and it sort of uh, appeared here and there throughout it, and. Mm. It's it. I, I love the way it all builds up, and and this is a perfect climax for all that stuff to come together, because yet yeah, like in the earlier story in this volume where you know you had Doom Patrol versus Doom Patrol, and they were fighting over you know uh, the the ancient skeletons and that, and and then you had the uh, the prince's body being shipped um, and left at you know the general store for decades, and it was like where's all this weird stuff coming from, and what's it leading to, and this is it. This is the, mm. the the big culmination of it all, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I wish more people had a chance to read it. Yeah. Mm. Very true. So, Paul, take us to issue 22, the big finale for Volume 3. So, issue 22, it uh, was covered in September 2003, but uh, in actual fact, it's a lie. It came out on July 9th, 2003. Can't fool us, DC. Uh, cover priced for 2 bucks fifty. edited by Harvey Richards, and the story is titled A New End. And it's uh, written by John Okudi, art by Tanner Hewitt, lettered by Bob Lappin, and coloured by, I think it's Dave McCaig in this case. It is. But the cover is actually, it's a sort of redo of the first issue cover where it's got Robot Man with a reflection of the new Doom Patrol um, in his shiny dome mm. head on his bonds or whatever. And he's saying, I was right, we are doomed, because on the first issue he said, we're doomed. Yep. Um, except there's something different about the reflection of the Doom Patrol members. They are all uh, robots oh. in this reflection. Mm. Mm, anyway, what's that about? I will open my notes and tell you. So, <laughs> as our issue opens, Cliff is lying in bed in the dark thinking about the death that has taken so many of his friends. Rita, Arani, Scott Fisher, hey, hot hands. <laughs> Joshua Clay and poor, poor Dorothy. And now, Dr. Colin Denko. <gasps> he opened... Mm, yeah, he's dead. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, he opens his eyes and he hears the doctor's voice. It is difficulty seeing I am having. He sits bolt upright and he sees a robot body that looks just like Dr. Colin Denko being fine-tuned by another man in a robot body, Doc Magnus. Doc Magnus explains that he was able to save Colin Denko's life because of the same operation that was done by the chief to Cliff. 
Cliff is stunned by this development, but that leaves him nowhere to go when he sees the entire team greeting him in their brand new robot bodies. Cliff is horrified and pulls away from his teammates who are stoked with their new mechanical bodies, except for Ted, who can't taste his cigarettes anymore. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, your robot Thea Joss enters and explains. Uh, that he paid for everyone to have these operations so Cliff could feel at home amongst them. And they all embrace Cliff in a very weird group hug. And Cliff screams, no, and heads outside to see a world where everyone has given up their flesh to the robotic option, men, women, and children. Realising that this can't be real, Cliff sits on the ground, robot head in robot hands. He must be going insane. He is roused from his state by an old man and his dog. Not robotic. Uh, the man being the chap he encountered when the team had that time body swap flashback thing in uh, issue 13 and 14, which we covered in episode 125. Mm-hmm. And Cliff asks, what are you doing here? And the man says, I'm not here, and explains, neither are you. And then Cliff wakes up again, and he is now in a suit and a tie amongst the team and other mourners at Dr. Kolendenko's Russian Orthodox funeral service. And Ted comments on all the people in attendance, and Cliff says they are scientist friends of the doctors. Uh, the patrollers then carry the co- coffin out of the church to the waiting hearse. Charlene tells Cliff that he can't fit in the car, but they'll see him at the cemetery. Cliff tells them all, sorry, no, I owed it to Colin Denko to attend the service, but I got some more bad news this morning. I'm going to have to take care of that. Uh, the funeral cavalcade departs as Cliff watches in silence. Gar approaches Cliff and says how bad he feels that Tycho used him to capture the others, leading to Colin Denko's fate. And Cliff counters with the fact that if Tycho could have taken his body, he would never have had to possess Colin Denko. He says, see, see how easy it is to blame yourself. Gar asks what now, and Cliff explains that he doesn't know. Everything he gets involved in gets worse. Back at the former nightclub, Bruno's, the patrol are back from the funeral and getting on each other's nerves. Shailene is upset that Ted is complaining about the length of the service, and and he really pisses off Vic by pointing out that Vic likes Shailene, and then Ava asks why he's so mean to everyone. It's a defence mechanism, declares Thea Jost in his sudden entrance. He explains that Ted uses his obnoxious personality to push his needs for friends aside to prevent feeling hurt and loss. Anyway, Jost just popped in to evict the team. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's such a Thea Jost thing to do. (laughs) Um, Ted tells him, nah, Cliff made a deal with you. Thea explains the circumstances has changed. The team will be compensated for the dissolution uh, for their dissolution with a bonus for immediate vacation of their premises, which has been sold. Cliff, meanwhile, is at Dorothy's bedside, where she lies comatose uh, at St Aloysius Hospital, connected to multiple tubes and apparatus. Cliff apologises for the tough life she's had with the team, thinking of the candle maker, her imaginary friend that tried to destroy the world, uh, the decapitated chief from the uh, Pollock run, Mm -hmm. and um, she has no family to cry for her, and he can't even add some tears. He's interrupted by her doctor, who explains that Dorothy is now brain dead. She contracted viral meningitis, which damaged her brain stem. Joss insisted on delaying any action until Cliff could visit. And Cliff agrees that it's time for Dorothy to be taken off life support. But then he says, I don't want to be here when you do it. And he walks out. Cliff walks away from the private hospital when he suddenly hears screams of terror. A giant Egyptian-looking monster has burst out of the ground and grabbed some bystanders. Cliff leaps into action, relishing the chance to deliver a beatdown. Suddenly he finds himself back on the park bench with a mysterious old man. He muses on Cliff's situation, a thrill-seeking daredevil of a man before his terrible accident, which stuck him in a near-indestructible body, desperate to feel a thrill of peril and action. Cliff counters that maybe he's hoping that he can end it all and catch up with the death of his body all those years ago. The man points out that Cliff is struggling with questions of, who am I? Why am I here? He says, doesn't that make him the same as everyone else? Back at Bruno's, that the X team have grabbed all their belongings into the van, ready to leave. Ted pops back inside to grab the television, which is playing, and he sees an entertainment report that the Doom Patrol show has been renewed for a second season. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) He boards the van, and Vic asks why he didn't grab the television. And he says, ah, we watched too much TV. And that is the end of the issue. And the series. Yeah. It's... A bit of a weird one, but we come to expect weirdness with the Doom Patrol, I suppose. Mm, and 
Yeah, it's it's very existential, and um, it really drives home the um, the theme of this run, which I thought was it was always about identity. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it sets up you know um, who everyone else in the team, but um, Cliff's there, but it's not really Cliff. It's a it's yes. a fake Cliff, and it's an imaginary Cliff generated by um, Dorothy's subconscious, and then the mm-hmm. real Cliff is brought in and. You know, he, what's his role with this team? Why is he there? You know, and he, he's just trying to make things better for them. But, mm. um, he's got a point that, you know, perhaps that everyone would be better off if he wasn't involved in their lives because, you know, uh, he sees the effect that he's had on Dorothy's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps unfairly. I don't think she was having a very good life in Kansas before the Doom Patrol came along anyway. No, no. But, but Cliff is pretty much a giant weirdness magnet. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's a messy situation to be in. Yeah, he makes that point right at the start, saying, you know, um, our team. Do other teams have so many people die? And you know, would anyone want to be on a hero team if there was this much death around? No. You know, perhaps the Doom Patrol are just bad at being a team. <laughs> and. I mean, he's got a point. They were the only team to lose people in the invasion. I was just going to say that, yeah, when we when we did the the DP one hundred and two uh, episode recently, and yeah, the the patrol were the only one really to suffer any casualties. Yeah, in, in that. So yeah, but yeah, it's 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 kind of a hopeful note to end on, but also a, a sad one as well with Dorothy's passing. And with Cliff, yeah, as you said, questioning his his place in the world and what he should be doing with himself, and the the younger members of the team just sort of driving off in the night. And it's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. And if if it wasn't clear to people, the deal that they were talking about with Thayer Joss was that um, Cliff would stay and represent the Doom Patrol for um, Thayer and give him the rights to the name as long as Thayer took care of um, Dorothy mm. in her hospital bed and of course with Dorothy going to be you know the plug being pulled on Dorothy that arrangement could end now yeah. uh, so Cliff had no more obligation and uh, Thayer had you know didn't have to fund the team and keep them going and mm. um Ironically, you know, the success that uh, Thayer was having was in the TV show rather than the actual team. <laughs> Which, yeah, it was kind of works out nicely for him, I guess, because he was always looking for ways to make money off the name. And and that's where it works has worked best for him. And yet, here in the real world, we now have a Doom Patrol TV show, which is still a bizarre thing to grasp and and get one's head around. Yeah, but, it, yeah, it's a weird note to end on, but I think overall, Volume 3 is really good fun. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's kind of ironic that, I mean, you've got this old man who's sort of manipulating Cliff so that he has action scenes and, um, you know, existential crisis and is thinking about things, and, you know, it's it sort of zigs and zags at the start of the issue where you think, oh, Colin Nenko's not dead, he's got a robot body, that's really cool, mm. and then it suddenly slips into, oh, no, everyone has a robot body. Yeah. And I, just, I just need to point out that Doc Magnus, in real continuity, had a robot body at this time, so that wasn't him joining ah, the fight. Okay. So there was a, there was a um, Metal Men miniseries in the 90s, and as a part of that, um, Doc Magnus became a full-on robot along with the Metal Men. And, wow. Uh, so he called himself Viridian, I think, because he had a different metal to the others. So. Right. So that is actually not just a robot body in the dream. It's a real robot body in the real continuity of the uh, time. Which, which, for readers that would have been aware of that at the time, would have thought that, oh, hang on. It's Viridian here, a.k.a. Doc Magnus, and Colin Denko's safe. Yeah. And then they turn the page and they go, oh, wait a minute, why is the rest of the team now robots? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, why is everyone in the world a robot? <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's yeah. a bit like um, that scene in the American Werewolf in London where he keeps waking up from his nightmare into another mm-hmm. nightmare. Yeah. 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 A series of them. But do you think the old man is uh, sort of representing John Arcudi and the story he's trying to tell? Maybe. I, I can't think of who else the old man would be. Uh, he, he just seems to be a weird outsider voice that I, I guess gets Cliff to question things and, and question his... Or, you know, maybe help 
Cliff see his place in the world from a different point of view. Uh, because like when we first met the, this old man uh, in the the time travel body swapping issue, uh, and he was like, you know, he's pointing out to Cliff, maybe you are a hero after all. And now he's saying, you know, if you're asking who am I and why am I here, you're not that different from everyone else. Mm. So I, maybe it is meant to be Arcudi. I I, I, don't, I don't know. That is that's who you're thinking he's meant to represent. Well, yeah, because he's doing the things a writer does. Like, he throws in an action scene to give, you know, visual interest for what the artist is doing. And, Mm. uh, you know, but he's he basically points out, you know, where he's forcing Cliff to examine himself. And, yeah, it's it's kind of subtle but also blunt at the same time, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but it, it isn't... There isn't a nice bow on it, and there isn't, you know, like he basically dodges the question of who he is and why he's doing things, and you know, yeah, etc. And mm. you know, if you took everything as it, you know, just fell out on the page, you would have to say that Cliff is insane at this point. Like he, oh, yeah. he can't, he can't hang on to reality. He's having these, you know, delusional moments all the time, mm. and you know, in. Why would you want him on running a team in those circumstances? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but if it's the writer manipulating, and you know, as you know, it's kind of fitting that um, by pulling the plug on Dorothy, it ends the arrangement that keeps the team going, and the same for the comic. You know, mm. that it pulls the plug on the comic, as it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that was uh, that has to have been, you know, uh, an exit strategy that Arcudi has had for a while. Mm. And I think, you know, when the writing was on the wall and they knew the series was going to end, I think he was like, well, that's our out. We we take care of Dorothy, which takes care of the arrangement, which, you know, gives Cliff the... the no longer makes Cliff feel that he needs to hang around. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. But um, look, I, I have to say, I don't think in Volume 3 there was a bad issue at all. No, I, I think it was consistently well written. The art was fantastic throughout, and yeah, if if you if you see it in your back issue bins, you lucky people that have back issue bins, um, grab it. Grab it. You, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, grab it with both hands. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, this is. I mean, it gives the impression that maybe the rest of the patrols stayed together as a team, uh, calling themselves something else. That is never really says that but they wander off they can't use the name and they're all still together so yeah um, but uh jumping ahead in a bit of a spoiler um Shailene is one of the featured combatants in uh, sort of an underground fight gladiator ring thing in Terror Titans oh. and, and she gets killed in the first issue of that stupid oh. comic right in, uh, yeah so and in it she's just a generic girl with sort of you know fire powers out of her hands but right. you know it isn't very much the you know the shy sensitive girl that we saw in uh, mm-hmm. uh, this comic and it's a bit sad but uh, you know it there is a tradition of um, you know bullshit deaths of doom patrollers <laughs> in other comics <laughs> yes that's that's giving me an episode idea actually <laughs> just gonna write that down we'll come back we'll circle we'll put a pin on that come back to that at a future time and we're looking for episode ideas Bullshit yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a really good run. It's probably you know, it's a, a, a unappreciated gem that a few more people need to discover. And yeah. you know, put it on Comicsology DC, please. Please, yes. It 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 deserves much more attention uh, that it got, and that maybe one other creative type got. With the, yeah, I'm not going to mention. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yep. Uh, dear. But yes, Volume Three. Well, we salute you. Job well done. It has been a pleasure doom explaining this volume of the Doom Patrol. Yeah, absolutely. And now it is time for the mailbag of doom, where we kick things off with your responses to our last question of the week. Which was which character would you want as a bodyguard? Mm. A lot of good responses to this one, Paul. 
Yeah, we heard from Martin Gray, and he said, uh, your very own Danny the Street. If I can't find a place to hide from the bad guys inside his many buildings, he drops a brick on them. So that's an innovative answer. Yeah, mm. I'd enjoy hanging out with Danny the Street. That'd that be would fun. be cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Cable Guide, or at Brother Ascani on the Twitter, said the comic character they would want as a bodyguard, uh, well, they said this goes without saying, and they just provided a picture of Cable. So I'm ah. guessing they're a big Cable fan. Yeah. Cable from the X-Men books. Yeah. yeah. Not from the back of your TV. Or... No. Yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Milton, uh, great Doctor Doom fan, said any Doombot is fine. All right. uh, I've seen a lot of Doombots get destroyed, buddy, but anyway. Yeah, I, I question their worth as a bodyguard, but... Um, mm. uh, Delvin, uh, Dark Web slash Felix Leiter, uh, replied with Luke Cage, just for the look of it alone. Yeah, that would... That would would be intimidating. Yeah. Hero for hire. I mean, the name says it all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we heard from Jack Rocher at Old Fashioned Outlaw, and he said, I would want Guy Gardner to be my bodyguard. We would probably spend most of our time at Warriors. Oh, so dear. He's uh, looking at 90s Guy Gardner, not 80s Guy Gardner. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, Warriors was the, the bar that Guy Gardner owned. So, yep. yes, that would be good. Mm. Yep. Sean Ross, otherwise known as Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, on the Twitter said Spider-Man would be his choice for bodyguard because he never lets anyone close to him die. <laughs> Which is surely a joke on the front. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Jay Powers at B-Bay Bear 24 he said, though my wife might not approve, I'm going to have to say Red Sonja. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes, brave, okay. Brave choice. <laughs> she's good. With, she's good with the sword, but yeah. Uh, Keith G. Baker at KG Bunsey on the Twitters replied with Ivan Ilyich Gort. Oh yeah. Do you know who that is? Uh, no. Okay, he's a, a Russian sort of Cold War hardliner guy with superpowers. So um, he's sort of like you think um, Superman's an original powers where he could leap and was really strong and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but he was involved with the Suicide Squad and he went by the code name Steel Wolf. And uh, you have read comics with him. He's in the uh, Suicide yes. Squad special. Yes. He's the guy that uh, kills all those dudes by picking up a handful of gravel and throwing it at them. And- it goes through them like bullets. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he would be really bad company, I think, to be... You know, yeah. he is a hardline Russian person. And so, you know, he'd be like, you know, he'd be like, I'm here to protect you. And he'd go, okay, I'm just going to go to this store and buy something. And he'd go, you know, capitalist pig. You know, he wouldn't be very down with whatever you're doing. <laughs> but he would protect you bad. He'd probably kill lots of people. He'd make yeah. the news. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So not subtle, is what you're saying. No. No. Right. Okay. Right. Thank you, Keith. That is a very nice answer. Uh, then we heard from Mark's Mess podcast. Hey, Mark. And he said, uh, Sue Storm. Oh, yeah. Invisible yeah. Shields. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. She'd do a good job. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, we then heard from Ange at Dr. Ange70. And he said, Big Barda. She'd get vicious if needed. Plus, it's Big Barda. That's yeah, cool. a strong lady fetish running through our listeners. <laughs> Yes, now that you mention it. Mm. Mm. Uh, Chris, our friend from BTO and Bat Books, um, and uh, he does the uh, Professor Frenzy show with Jerry, which is a great show. If you want to know what to read and you don't want to read DC and Marvel, that is the show to listen to. Okay. Yeah, yeah I recommend it. Uh, he said Green Hornet's Cato, martial artist and a chauffeur. That's handy. <laughs> yeah, a smart dresser. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very good choice, yeah. Uh, at Craig R. McD, or Canadian Geek, replied with Superman. Well, not for you, Mike. You don't like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next. <laughs> <laughs> we heard from uh, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and he said, She-Hulk, because I love She-Hulk. Uh, holds up. Yeah, that that's a good choice to choose a bodyguard. Yeah. But fair enough, yeah. Uh, and then Tim Price at Tim Price Seventeen said he thought of She-Hulk, even though the rates for a lawyer are horrendous. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully you could afford it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl Bakey at C Bakeware said Hellboy. Never read a comic featuring him, but he seems like a solid homie. Uh, 
<laughs> I think that's his tagline for the new movie. Yeah, yeah. Hellboy yep. 3, solid homie. <laughs> um, read some Hellboy, it's good. The early stuff particularly. Mm. Uh, Saul Bishop, at Saul Bishop, chimed in with Ubu, hands down. If anything happened, he'd have you in a Lazarus pit as soon as possible. So that's Ubu, the right-hand man of uh, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, I don't know. Batman beats him down a, a few times. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yeah. Plus the whole thing of you come out of the Lazarus pit all psycho. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, Sphinx Magoo, uh, Abel, he said, my pick is Vision from the Avengers. He can go all spectral, spooky and ghostly, or he can be hard and bulletproof, unless he's in the Avengers movies, in which case he gets taken out like a punk. <laughs> You've got him there, Paul. Oh, <laughs> You've got him there. Ted Kilvington, at Ted Kilvington on the Twitters, said he wouldn't object to having Wonder Woman guard my body. Oh, hey. Hello. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Sorry, that uh, went really blue there for a second. Uh, what are you doing, Mike? <laughs> um, we heard from I Have a Nerdy Mind at Black Sheep Number 1, and he said Thanos, or the Noz, as I call him. Um, wow, yeah, Thanos, That's... he can take care of business. He may not like you very much while he looks no. after you. No. Yeah, and there might only be 50% of you there to guard anyway, so... Mm. Jonathan at Changing Shade said Deathstroke as little as Identity Crisis doesn't hold up Shade was able uh, Slade sorry was able to defend Dr. Light from the JLA that's true yeah that's that's pretty impressive credentials right there Deathstroke it seems like a bit of a prick though yeah Generally, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. uh, we heard from Revenge Technician at Casual Hex, and they said a Solomon Grundy. Yeah, sure, if you want a guy who smells like a swamp hanging out with him, yeah. <laughs> Not much of a conversationalist either. Very, very strong, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. But smelly. <laughs> Hygiene is important, kids. <laughs> ba- bathing, you know, once a day is, tends to help. Yeah. 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 Uh, zap. At Zap79534147 on the Twitters, uh, suggested Adam West as a bodyguard. Adam West Batman, because he probably have all kind of repellent. Ah, not the kind of repellent I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. Um, yeah. Then on the Facebooks, we heard from Clinton Robertson, and he said, hmm, Daredevil, because why not Daredevil? Yeah, he's, he's good. He's yeah. diligent. Yeah, mm-hmm. He would take it seriously. He he would know the legal ramifications for whatever you know uh, weird stuff you got into, you know. It's quite the, prote- handy. the issues of the protection of the time. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we then heard from Jason Jones, and he said, "Hello, Wild Dog, the greatest comic book character of all time, and a total badass." Oh, <laughs> uh, you you die, Jason. <laughs> I don't think Wild Dog could protect you, mate. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, we heard from Dean Jones, and he said, definitely not John Constantine. Yeah, uh, that's pretty good advice. Mm, yeah. 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 That yeah, that would not end well. Uh, Baruch Nahon uh, said, Ted Bruder, a.k.a. Fast Forward from Doom Patrol Volume 5. Oh, uh, a bodyguard that sees one minute into the future is priceless. That's pretty good, but if the situation gets super hairy, then all he is going to do is just tell you how bad it's about to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's not a very strong person, but, you know, I appreciate the uh, the nod towards Ted Bruder, and I'm a big Ted Bruder fan. Mm. Mm. I, I'd be going more Volume 3 than Volume 5, because I think by Volume 5, he's he's a bit worse for wear. Messed up, yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Gonzalo Martin Ruiz said uh, Robot Man, of course. A solid choice. Solid yeah. choice. Respect. Yeah. Yeah, much respect. Take a drink. Uh, <laughs> we then heard from Andrew Watton Davies, who said Guido Carousella, aka Strong Guy. Oh, I was a big Strong Guy fan back in the day. He's a fully trained professional bodyguard with a list of satisfied A grade clients and experience of working in a variety of situations, including space and alternative realities. Plus, he looks great in a suit and he knows how to mix a decent martini. That is a very good choice. That's the X Factor guy, isn't it? Strong guy from X Factor, yeah. Like the harder you punched him, the stronger he became. Oh. Um, and yeah, he he was very cool. And yeah, he started out as a bodyguard for uh, Lila Cheney, the the mutant pop star. So he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, we heard from Jared Driscoll who said, uh, Deathstroke the Terminator. He can hold off the JLA but can't beat the Teen Titans. Yeah, that's called the Wilson Paradox. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but a second vote for Deathstroke, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mike, have you got an answer for this very fine question of the week? I, I, I do. It's probably going to surprise you, because who do you oh. think I'm going to say? Um, Skeets. <laughs> Interesting. No. I would want Plastic Man to be my bodyguard. Whoa. You think about it. He's got a good sense of humour. Yeah. He, he was a former crim, so he knows what, how crims think. He's super adaptable to any situation. Yeah, And, yeah, you know, if, if bullets are flying towards you, he can just stretch himself into a sheet in front of you and, you know, bounce the bullets back. Uh, he can turn into the escape vehicle if you're getting chased. You know, I think he would be the best bodyguard ever. Yeah, and okay. he can hide as your underpants the whole time, so... If you're into that sort of thing, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> right. I love it when you overshare. It doesn't get awkward at all. <laughs> but I just think, yeah, you know, he's got the wit, he's got the charm, he, he, he's, he's a better conversationalist than Solomon Grundy would be, uh, and he would help you get out of a scrape. You know, maybe is... get into a scrape, but, you know, he, I, I think he would be a superb bodyguard. That's a very good answer, Mike. I feel like you've taken this one seriously. Yes, finally, 136 episodes, and I finally <laughs> got there. What about you, Paul? Who would you want as your bodyguard? Well, I think um, Swamp Thing. I think Swamp Thing, oh, wow. from particularly 80s era Swamp Thing, where he okay. was basically a god. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he can manifest in any vegetation, or you'd need as a little, you know, rose on your lapel, and you know, Swamp Thing would be there stabbing people with great big uh, root <laughs> weapons and stuff. So. Right. Yeah, okay. I, I think uh, Swamp Thing would be good. And, it, you know, you can tell him to smell like a rose. And I was uh, going to say, that would take care of any swamp smells. I'm yeah, like Solomon Grundy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's more of a, a vegetable thing than a swamp thing these days. But, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, he's, I mean, in the current DC Comics, you know, in Justice League Dark, he's kind of nerfed a bit as as a power. So, okay. you know, I'd, I'd want him back in the... Uh, Sort of Alan Moore, Mark Miller run days. So. But back in God mode. Yeah, God mode. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. And he was fairly kind and gentle most of the time. Mm. As long as he didn't try and kidnap his woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, would, I wouldn't. No, no, I, I wouldn't kidnap anyone's partner. You know, it no. tends to make anyone angry at the best of times. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, and that's advice for everyone there. Kids, bathe regularly. <laughs> And don't kidnap people, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Right. Oh, look, we actually got another iTunes review. Oh, hooray. In the, mail, in the mailbag. Uh, this one from the Raggedy Man from the UK. He titled his review, Simply the Best. Not only is it an amazing podcast about the fantastic Doom Patrol team and comic, but it's also a fan- fascinating dive into the history of comics and the comic industry at various points in history. It also shares a stream with the DC OCD History of DC Events, which is worth a listen as well. All of this is helped by the two hosts having a great chemistry between them and offering an interesting perspective on the series and comics as a whole. A must for fans of the series and a go-to for people interested in world's strangest heroes, also worth checking out for people who are just into comics as a whole. Wow, thanks Raggedy Man. That's really kind. A five-star review. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you will have to get in touch with us. Uh, send us an email uh, to waitingfordoom at gmail.com uh, and give us your contact details so we can send you an awesome Waiting for Doom postcard. Yeah, we've got a pile of them waiting here. But there's not that many, so no, the, reviews the, in. it's a small pile. The, the yeah. pile is dwindling. You know, Once they're gone, they're gone. And we'll have to come up with something else. Not a pony. <laughs> no ponies. No ponies. <laughs> cool. Um, we also got an email from Martin Gray because uh, he sensed our puzzlement of something he said about um, Prote One uh, would just marry you if you don't pay attention. Sensed and, our uh, puzzlement, heard our puzzlement. Yeah. Yeah, and then he sent um, a page that showed that uh, the, one of the versions of the uh, Legion of Superheroes it revealed that Lightning Lad was actually Prote One, and he married Satin Girl. So she was actually married to uh, the team's pet. 
awkward. And I had forgotten about this comic. It's from a run that I haven't read for a very, very long time, and it's not my favourite run, so I tend not to come back to it. So thank you, Martin. Thank you for um, spreading knowledge wherever you go. Yes. And spelling corrections and stuff. (laughs) Correct grammar. He's pedantic, but he's lovely. Uh, He is an editor. Well, yeah. We should send him this to edit. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) My God, that would save me so much time. Thank you, Martin. (laughs) Thank you, Martin. Yes. Anyway, um, is is that all we've got? That is it. That's us done for this episode of Waiting for Doom. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, next time, if you come and listen to us, uh, it's time for a DCOCD, and we will be doing Our Worlds at War. Uh, which is more exciting than our worlds of peace. And um, then after that, we're coming back for a, a bit of Doom stuff, some Doom business we haven't got around to. So the, I think there's a short story from one comic and another short story from another comic. So mm. If that's too much detail, I apologise. Nah, um, leave them wanting more. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, next question of the week. Um, I think we will ask people... Which comic hero team is in most of a need of an overhaul? Ooh. That's... Mm, yeah, that's, that's... I look forward to the responses on this one. Do you? Okay, good. Um, yeah. But anyway, Mike, where can people get in touch and give their answers? They can get in touch with us on the Twitters. Say hello to Wilfred at WFDPod. You can email us at WaitingForDoom at gmail.com or on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. You can also check out Doug's awesome blog spot all about the Doom Patrol called MyGreatestAdventure80.blogspot.com. And that's us done. That's it done. Well done. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another Waiting for Doom. We'll catch you next time. Next time. Wa- next time for more waiting for doom. <laughs> yeah, next time. Next time. Yeah. Third base. At this stage. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> you got a hero's gun. Hello. Oh, that sounds nice and loud. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You're, are, are you at home or at Rifties? I've gone to Rifties. Oh, okay. I think it's the hot weather that's making it all dodgy at the moment. Melting your antennas and stuff. Well, I think it's just Telstra. The Telstra signal is just not very good at the yeah. moment. Yeah, all the equipment's melting. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And if oh. it's not being melted, it's being attacked by wild animals and koalas. And stuff. Moths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them too. They're the worst. <laughs> we seem to be doing really well lately, actually, in terms of listens. Uh, yeah. Because we are up to 44,895. 99. Oh, what? Hang on. Curse your refresh button. <laughs> wow. Jeez, that seems to really have jumped... I hope that's not another glitch, but... No, well, there was a lot of downloads from Germany in the last um, week. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. That's bizarre. So maybe, um, I don't know, like, we've got that nerd, nerd, nerd people who really like DCOCD, maybe they're yeah. <laughs> spreading. <laughs> it's the it could Herf- just be the TV show coming. So yeah, I don't... yeah. It could be the Herfenstöfner appeal. So. Yeah, we do a, have a multicultural appeal with <laughs> Dr. Herbert Stoffner. Yeah, yeah, he's... Uh... No, I don't know what it is. But yeah, no, it seems to be doing really well lately. So, um, mm. yeah, yay us. And that's our next show. Thank you very yeah, much, Yeah, thanks. That's, that's uh, welcome, welcome to patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> we do two more shows tonight. We're beating Doom Pod Troll. Yeah, yeah, yay us. Uh, we, well, you're going first anyway, so whenever you're ready to kick off, I guess. <clears throat> okay. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Look, we've done 135 of these so far. 
<laughs> <laughs> we should be used to it by now. Mm, all right. Uh, 